This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. You are now listening to the Heroic Council. What's up, everybody? My name is Jeff, and today I am hosting the Heroic Council. My featured guest today is council member Timothy Jebediah Bartholomew, Green Lantern Yuli III. Today, both Parshel and Sarah are unable to join us for uh, reasons undisclosed, but they can't join us. Don't read into it. It's not like we're going to keep losing people and next week will be a solo episode. We just all have stuff going on. So make sure you tune in every single Friday right here. Same bat channel, one o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and we're going to get together and talk about work and answer your questions and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform or YouTube. Or if you're a member of our Facebook group, you'll see it always goes live right in there at block. And all of that info, along with everything else, can be found on the homepage for this show at superheroinstitute.org slash heroic. Uh, you'll find all the links to the show notes and all of our different um, methods of being able to subscribe to it. So without further ado, without further ado, let's get started. This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. I gotta be honest, it gets me hyped every time. It really gets me hyped. Um, oh, that's what it was. Yes, did you notice how I had my lower third uh, up on there? Uh, it was up there the whole time. I'm talking to, I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking to Tim. I'm talking to Tim. Tim's right there. Hi, Tim. Hey, Jeff. Um, welcome to the heroic council. I mean, you're part of the council. So why, why am I welcoming you? You're, you're always welcome, Tim. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, so yeah. you and me today. Um, and, uh, I think because of that, uh, we're just going to do our thing our way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some turn of events uh, brought us together in this way. Um, it wasn't supposed to be this way, but it is this way. So we're going to make the best of it. Yeah. Yeah, we are. I'm pretty excited about it. So, um, okay. So today we're going to talk about how great creative work gets done. And in order to fully explore this conversation, I think we have to look at it from a couple different points of view. I think one, it's important that you as somebody working in the creative field for quite a long time at this point, is able to provide some perspective and learnings and and things that you've kind of come to understand over the time that you've been doing it. But I also think it's really important that we not leave the other side of the coin unturned. And that's talking about clients and how they can be the best clients to work with creatives so that the, the harmony between those two, where you as a creative are doing your best work and the client are doing their best work, uh, both of those things happen simultaneously. I think it's going to lead to much better creative work. So at the at the kind of highest level of it, is there something that you think is, uh, are, are there a series of different um, components or, or I don't know how to say this, like, is there anything that is kind of like at the core of making good creative work happen? Like what's the kind of like the central theme if there is one? Jeff, I'm so glad you asked that question. It's very <laughs> thank you, thank you. I felt uh, like about it. Yeah, if I was um, to start anywhere as a, uh, what's the most important part about working with clients and working with other people in general is just communication. Um, I think it's a component that is probably, in my opinion, like one of the most important life skills you can have. 
because you could be bad at almost everything, but if you got a solid communication skills, you'll probably be all right. Um, if I was to pick one challenge that I really had when I was getting started out in particular, it was um, how important communication was, good communication was, and also uh, what, like filling in the gaps in what I thought was good communication. Um, so like you can be the greatest, uh, you can be the greatest videographer, graphic designer, um, in the world. And if you, if you are struggling to like understand what your clients are trying to communicate with you, and if you're struggling to communicate your ideas to clients, um, then there's a good chance you'll find, have a really hard time getting work. So let's kind of play through this a little bit and start mm -hmm. with, um, and, and by the way, I would just agree that I think even outside of creative work, that's probably a really important point that communication, if you're a consultant, if you're a service provider of any type, whether it's creative or not, you can be an accountant. Um, I still think that it's really important to have excellent communication about, you know, what your, what your clients are after, what they expect and all that sort of good stuff. So I think a good place for us to start, just because I think that it's probably easier for you to talk about your experience as a creative. I want to start on the other side and start to talk directly to people who work with creatives and give them some of that advice about how they can best work with a creative so that the creative is able to really flourish and do their best kind of work for you, the client. So I'm going to kind of be filling in at this point as the client. Uh, I'll ask you follow-up questions, things like that. But um, what are some of the things that you think I, is it like, let's say I'm a client, I'm hiring you. I want you to do some video work. I want you to do product photography. I want you to do a live streaming event, whatever it is, any of the things that are in your ballywick of different skill sets. Um, what, what are some of the things that I need to do to make sure that you're able to do your best work? Sure. Um, something that I thought I used to think was just like really obvious but it ended up not being so obvious is that the client knows why they're doing what they're doing. Um, a lot of times the client is just in a position where they're like, we feel like we should be doing this because, and they don't have specific goals in mind, or specific, specific strategic objectives that they're trying to um, achieve. And uh, therefore it makes it really hard uh, when you're in the planning and conceptual phase. Um, because you don't really know what you're aiming at. You're aiming at a target that honestly doesn't really exist. And it's really hard to make someone happy when you, do, when you don't know what they want. And it makes it even harder when they don't even know what they want. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of where I'd started off with. Um, a lot of, like, I, I, like, even on a higher, like, working with higher level clients who work, you know what I mean, who have a lot of experience in marketing um, or other, other, I don't know, marketing, branding, um, still to this day, I still have to nail them down on what, what their, what their legitimate actual goals are. Cause they, they still might not know. Can you give us some real examples? Like, can you help make a real first? So I come to you, I want you to do a video project and I'm like, I want these videos for my website or I want these videos for social media. What are some of the follow-up questions you might ask to kind of help to drill down and help people really get clear on why it is they need what they need? Sure. Um, I mean the first time, the first thing I would, I would typically ask my clients to walk away with or, or pass on to me is what, what do you want your audience to walk away with, with this like content that you're creating? Um, do you, and, and what actions do you want them to take with that like piece of information? Cause that can help us like really fill in a lot of the gaps um, there. And, and even like, and even once you're like, once you kind of narrow down what the general goals are and what the general strategic goals are, 
then then you want to get like a little bit more into the nitty gritty questions like uh, do you want to include this piece of information or do you not want to include this piece of information like for instance I'm working on a project right now and there's a lot of statistics involved and we have to go through those statistics one by one and be like do you want this in there do you not want it because like there are certain things that the clients are like hesitant to put in because of liability issues or they don't want to be perceived a certain way so they might not want these pieces of information in there if, if I'm creating like, let's say just photography or video for you, and I have a certain goal, and I get handed a, a general list of information that needs to be included in this content, and uh, and then I produce it, and then you receive it, and then you're like, oh, we don't want this in here because it makes us look bad for one reason or another, or we can't like confidently like be like, this is the truth, then, um, then that could create a whole list of logistical problems, aesthetic issues, etc. Um, and then, and then, speaking of aesthetic, and that that goes to the aesthetic side. Like, it's also really important to know because generally, you're 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 jumping in to a brand that is already somewhat developed, at least. So it's really important to dig into like what those brand are, everything from the tone of the brand to what the brand typically communicates to what are the, what's the aesthetic and aesthetic that they're looking for, whether that be colors, fonts, et cetera, et cetera. So all of that information is really key before you like start doing anything because you know if you don't get that information, you're gonna create a lot of problems for yourself down the line. So just to play dumb for a second, mm -hmm. you're the creative, Tim. Why I hired you because you're creative. Why can't I just give you a project because I, I hired you because you're creative and I wanted you to do your creative vision. Why, why can't you just do that? Why can't you just assume that, like, why can't you understand what it is that I want? Uh, cause at the end of the day, you're, you're not going to be happy with the results. Uh, creatives in general aren't psychics. Um, what? You, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in it, like sometimes we even think we are like, I'm guilty of this. Um, at the end of the day, any any collaboration between an individual or a company and a creative, it, it has to be a collaboration. Like there has to be participation on both sides, um, because otherwise, I'm going like as the creative, I'm going to make choices based on what I feel is right, and that's hyper subjective. You know what I mean? Like there's no way I'm going to be able to speak for you and your company as the creative unless I know who you are and I know what you want to talk about. So it, it like at the end of the day, if I don't have this information, then I'm going to I'm going to create something for myself more or less, and and you're not going to like it because it's not for you. So that's interesting because it immediately makes me think about like how that impacts. I just wrote a blog post about this, mm -hmm. but about timelines and about like speed and moving fast versus planning at the beginning and then slowing down so you can move faster later. And I would imagine that if you do something wrong and you have to go back, not wrong, but like you're doing something based on your own subjective. Like, I think this is what it should be. And you have to go back and do it over. That kind of screws with the timeline. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, not to mention like, depending on what kind of creative work you're doing, like it can be expensive, you know, like let's say hypothetically I'm doing a photo shoot and we need, you know, we need to pay for the location. We need to pay for um, whoever's doing like the makeup and like any of the like food that day and travel, et cetera, et cetera. And, and not to mention just the salaries of the creatives working on their, on the project. Uh, a lot of times like companies won't have the opportunity to get a sh second shot at it. 
So you need to make sure you're you're nailing it on the one or two days that you have available to do those shoots. Um, even even with uh, like when I'm if I'm working on let's say hypothetically I'm working on a, a UI project um, or a UX project, I I'm doing like I'm not really like doing anything high fidelity until very late in the game until I have all the information I want and everything's been approved and confirmed and I have. Uh, because otherwise, if I start doing like doing like the high fidelity creative stuff early on, there's a good chance I'm going to end up having to throw that out, and I could, as the creative, lose 20 hours of work. You may have to pay the creative for an extra 20, 30, 40 hours of work, depending on how far they get um, down the line without that without that constant feedback. Like, uh, and 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 I and I'm not just putting this like specifically on the clients, not necessarily giving good enough feedback. A lot of I think a lot of creatives and designers in general. Um, view themselves in a certain way or view view the field of design as like I'm the expert therefore I know what's best for this particular project but it's but the project has to be a conversation between the creative and the client um, uh, like uh, no no man's an island no man knows what's best like that's what designing is designing is problem solving and you need to communicate with other people to be good problem solvers so yeah yeah so I would imagine one of the things that falls under that communication, and I've encountered this, is because you said you said a term uh, just before that I think kind of illustrates this point. You said high fidelity, right? Mm -hmm. Like I can't imagine that every client understands even what that means, right? Like they may not yeah. understand what your process looks like. They may not understand what it is that you need from them. They may like there's so much of the process that's misunderstood. I think. How much of that is on you as the creative versus how much is that on the client to try to like push for clarity around things or because I'd imagine a lot of these decisions are made out of kind of, for lack of a better term, like ignorance, like not ignorance, like willful, like, you know, malicious ignorance, but more like you just you don't know what you don't know. So, you know, what how do you advise that a client deals with it when they're kind of walking into this situation and they may not understand the process, they may not understand what you need. There's a lot of things you may not understand. What what is your advice for clients? Yeah, um, it's it can be really hard. Uh, that's where I'm going to start with. Um, and having having patience with that process is really important because although we like in the United States, anyways, we all there's a very large geographical area with a lot of people in it that all speak the same language, which makes communication sometimes very easy. But I think we all forget that a lot of times. I may say a word and you may say the same word and we both think we know what the word means to the other person, but we, but in reality, we may have different definitions for that word. Um, so really being like, it, it's gonna, it, like it takes time to build the relationship initially with the client. So you, so you get on, so you have a, um, so you have, so you are able to build an initial framework of what different terms mean between the two of you. So if I say high fidelity, what I mean is, we're at the point now where we're adding colors, where we've chosen our fonts. Um, we know like, is this element going to have like a box shadow or not? You know what I mean? Are there rounded edges? You know, what kind of animations are involved in this? Um, it's it's usually like the more high level visuals that you, and, and um, but like if I just say to you high fidelity and I don't give you that background in it, like you're going to fill that term with whatever you think it means. So when I when I show up with my first drafts, which are maybe wireframes, you know, you might be like wildly disappointed. Like, why is this guy showing me a bunch of boxes right now? You know, um, so uh, so so 
being able to um, really dig into these meetings. Like if you're the client, it's always important if you don't know what they're saying or you're unsure of what the creative is, is communicating, then ask more questions and let them know. Like you can even say like, talk to me like I'm five years old here. Um, and on the flip side, as the creative, you're also going to need to do that because a lot, like especially if you're like me and you work with a lot of different industries, um, I'm constantly having to learn what that industry is. Right now, for instance, I'm working in like food and agriculture, and this is a like in in specific niche areas, and I'm having to like do my research and learn like how all these processes work, how this industry works, what's important to the the their clients and their audience. Um, and and uh, like how to frame things appropriately for them and and that that's going to be completely different than if i'm doing something for like a swimwear company you know completely different audience and uh, completely different audience completely different tone completely different visuals um so what i recommend for one won't necessarily be recommended for the other and i have to understand the background of that client in order to uh in order to to, to give them good good feedback and good creative um yeah. So if you're do, you're doing all of that work as the creative, mm -hmm. it, it can feel very much like a one-way street in that. And you said, like, ask more questions and that sort of mm -hmm. participation. And then there's also, like, sometimes the client has a responsibility of getting you certain information or certain assets, and that's partly on them. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I've been challenged by trying to solve is the we want to move fast problem. And again, this goes back to the, the kind of blog post I just wrote about. So. Yeah. You know, every every client that I think I've ever dealt with, to a certain extent, has wanted to move really fast. Like they all say they want to move fast, but then when rubber meets the road, they say they want to move fast. But then you're like, I need you to get this back to me, and then it takes them three more days than than we had originally talked about, and then that throws off timeline and this and that. How how can you very simply, if you can, how can you get clients to understand how timing works, how long things take? How do you get them to to have the right mindset about approaching? their request for speed because yeah. there's been times where you've been asked like, Hey, can you do this in three days? And you're like, this is like a three week project. So like, how do you get clients to be in the mindset of like knowing the right questions to ask or what to do so that they're setting realistic expectations for themselves and not putting undue stress on the creative? Yeah. First of all, I want to say like, this is a really, this, while this seems like a, a relatively, if you haven't, if you haven't been in this situation before, it seems like it's a relatively simple fix communicate with them the process and and then they'll be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. It'll take not two weeks, but four weeks. Um, but in practice, it's really complicated because there are so many moving parts, especially when you're working with a larger organization that like you have multiple stakeholders involved and you need things from uh, like a lot of different groups of people. Um, not to mention, I just want to point out like this is a challenge with probably almost every project I've ever had. Um, and when it's not, I'm like, like something's off here, you know, um, <laughs> it's quiet, yeah. too quiet. Yeah. Um, uh, the, so far, um, the, we were talking about this yesterday and this is something that I need to, or yesterday or yeah, yesterday. Yeah. This is something I really need to implement more, um, is when the client gives you like, we need this in two weeks, you need to communicate what you need to get it done. Um, and it requires a certain level of bravery, you know, which I think I always, I sometimes forget to have in these conversations. Um, 
But it's really important to be like, this isn't going to take two weeks. This is going to take four weeks. It's going to take four weeks because of X, Y, and Z. Um, and then like when we were talking the other day, I brought up the, the, the thing where like in the back of my head, there's always the fear that like, oh, they're going to be like, oh, we're going to just find somebody who can do it in two weeks. Um, which, you know, that's always a risk, but the reality is like, it's got probably going to cost them more money, you know, cause if somebody can get it done in two weeks, they're either going to do a, a shitty job or they're going to, um, or, or they're going to be working with a, a team that's very large and expensive. Uh, yeah. There's also the thing where like, so if they've been talking to multiple vendors, then that's a possibility. But if they haven't, now they have to go out and find new vendors yeah, and put gonna... on that list, which if you have a tight timeline, you just don't have the time to do it anyway. So you're just better off saying, oh, they're saying this is going to take that long. Maybe it's going to take that long. Yeah. Um, and 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 also, I, I think the other thing is like, even when, even when they're like, oh, we need this at like a, a, like a certain amount of interval, like let's say hypothetically, we need this project done in two weeks. Almost any time when somebody says that to me, I'm like, you're not even gonna get me the information I need to do this in two weeks. You know what I mean? Like you're not gonna get me this information till like the Thursday before the Friday it's due, you know? Um, so like this isn't getting done in two weeks, even if you say you want it in two weeks. You're gonna come up to that date, be like, "Oh, sorry, I haven't gotten you that information yet," and the deadline's gonna get pushed back inevitably. Um, and and I think that's another thing that really has to be managed, uh, because like we said before, you're gonna need things from your clients in order to get the work done. Whether it's pieces of information, whether it's actual assets like graphics, like uh, copy or whatever it is that you might need for this, um, or even like right now, I'm waiting. I um, have a shoot next next Wednesday. Uh, that uh, and I've been waiting for two weeks for a list of all the people we're interviewing. So over 20 people, um, all the subjects they have. So I haven't been able to put a schedule for this together until like today. And like I get the I get the list and I find out we need two days for the shoot, not one day for the shoot because like there's no way we're getting this done in one day. So um, so being able to to uh, keep your client liable for the material that they owe you in order to for you to be able to execute the project mm -hmm. is really important um you have to be really polite about it we have to let them know if i'm going to get this done by this date i need this material at by a certain time um, and if they don't get you that material by that certain time you have to communicate with them not a big deal but we're not going to be able to deliver by the certain time if you get it to me tomorrow, then we'll be able to get it by this date. You know what I mean? So you need to be able to have a paper trail. You need to keep them like liable, but also be kind about it because like you don't get anywhere by being passive aggressive about it. Cause at the end of the day, every single client you work with is going to do this. Um, yeah, every single client and, and the, the real goal is to have long, long fruitful relationships with the people you work with. Everybody's got busy lives and Everybody underestimates how much time things take them. So if you say like, I need copy or I need all this information put together, or I need you to give me the availability of these people or set up these meetings or whatever it is, like stuff happens, you know? So, um, so generally I very rarely run into a situation where we set a deadline, the client can't get me what they need. And then the client's mad that whatever didn't get done by that time. Cause most people are re relatively rational. Um, 
it happens, but but it's but it's very rare. Yeah. You yeah. mentioned paper trail. I want to turn to some of the lessons that you've learned because I think that's a really yeah. good lesson for creatives. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember it was maybe like 10 years ago at this point, but my ex-wife was um, uh, studying for the bar. And I remember her just saying something that, the, you know, that the E in email stands for evidence, right? And I've never let go of that mm-hmm. because it makes me always remember that like, mm-hmm. if you have something in writing, you have somewhat of a defensible position. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas if you don't, if everything's verbal, even though it's very like, you know, it's a very relationshipy type thing. If it does get contentious, you have nothing to fall back on. So the paper trail, I think, is a really good piece of advice. But pivoting to some of the other things that you've learned as a creative over the last however long you've been doing this, kind of take it back to the beginning and imagine that you're talking to your younger self back in 2013, 2014, 2015, somewhere in that range. You can look back over all the experiences you've had, good and bad and indifferent. What are some of the key lessons that you would tell yourself that you think, people who are creatives right now, either just starting out or who are established creatives, but maybe need to learn some of these lessons, uh, at this point in their career. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that, uh, I would say a lot of these things are probably some stuff that we've already gone over. Like for instance, like, like stand for your time, protect your time. I still need to do this more and not just like let a client know how long this project's actually going to take, but also be like, I need to schedule in time to do administrative work. I need to schedule in time to clean. I need to schedule in downtime. You know what I mean? You have to protect your schedule because creativity is very cognitively taxing. And if you don't take care of yourself, then you're not going to be able to do good work. And I think, and I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but I think the vast majority of people who get them going to creative fields, go into creative fields because they want to do good work. Um, never like never assume that a client knows understands anything that you're saying you know uh it's it's um you constantly have to flesh things out you also have to constantly qualify everything so let's say hypothetically you want to send them a rough draft to get feedback on a specific thing ask them for let them know what the rough draft is what they should expect from the rough draft and what specifically you're looking for feedback on because you know there is the opportunity for them to freak out when they see an unfinished draft, you know, because they're looking at something that, once again, using that word, is low fidelity or like in a state of flux. So it could be a little messy, and they might freak out over something that they don't understand. So making sure to qualify, like, um, uh, yeah, your their their rough drafts. Um, also, in that same time, it's also like a haircut halfway through. It sounds yeah, like. exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's still um, messed up. Which is funny because like even me as somebody who's been doing this for like a decade at this point, like when I look at my own rough drafts, a lot of times I'm like, this is horrible. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like and and like and it's not until like I start like putting the final touches on where I'm like, oh, this is looking what I thought it would look like. You know what I mean? And and I and I get caught up in that like like anxiety of like where it is. So like sometimes I'm not only like talking down the client, but talking down myself regarding like what I, what I'm working with. Um, and, uh, ah, there was another one. Um, uh, oh, also, uh, yeah, this was it. Um, one of the big things that I wish like I had learned earlier is like, try to get as much feedback as possible from the client as early as possible. Um, especially on the specific things that you're really unsure about. Um, like when you're, when you're working on a rough draft for something, give them some early rough drafts, be like, these are the areas that I'm, I want to look at because 
if the long like the longer you take to try and like deliver like like something in process or even like what would be like almost a final draft the longer the entire pro process is going to take in general i remember i used to be paranoid about showing people my work earlier on and that would extend the life cycle of a project pretty considerably and really eat into my margins when i could have just sent over what i had qualify what i had get feedback and move on um yeah, I that that used to be a, a, a big issue. Um, also, another thing uh, is uh, make sure to when you're doing creative work and you have and you're in like the brainstorming phase versus the execution phase, make sure to to give yourself ample time to work through those like creative decisions because creativity. I, I I can't speak for everybody, but for me, it's not a light switch. It doesn't. I can't just turn it on and off. I, I can I can use best, best practices to like try and speed up the process to some extent. But in general, if I'm trying to figure out a direction to take the project, I need to make sure I give myself time to really like understand what I'm doing, understand what the client wants, really internalize it, and then be able to produce from it. So there's a there's a there's a level of um, I I just need to play around with these ideas for a while. And, and that's hard to really like quantify in, in like uh, on a schedule. So making sure that when you're building out how long this project is going to take, build in time for you to like legitimately brainstorm and figure things out and take a little bit of a slow process in certain areas. Um, because like if you have three clients who all want projects from you and you're like, oh yeah, I could do this project in five hours, this project in 10 hours, this project in 20 hours, and then smash them up together like that. And you don't leave room to do any like creative development on any of those projects. Your work is gonna definitely suffer and you're probably gonna have some like cognitive issues like over that period of time, like you're gonna be really stressed and you might end up just missing your deadlines because your brain's just like nothing's coming out, you know, like it's, it's essentially writer's block. So, so that's something to always keep in mind. Um, always, yeah, sorry, go for it. Uh, so I don't know if you want to make another point about that, but there was another thing that I've noticed about your career yeah. that I think is a really interesting facet. So you and I have been working together since 2014 on projects. Mm -hmm. And you've always been extremely creative. Like that's always been a feature of your work. But I would, if if I had to characterize your process back in the day, I would say it was a little bit chaotic to, to yeah, I agree with that kindly, right? Like you, like you were creative, but you had like a very like, like artist creative type process where it was yeah. like, things were kind of a mess. You kind of like threw things together. It was like the, the creative genius type workspace where everything's a mess. Right. Whereas I've seen over time, you're, you're getting better at your time management. You're able to deliver bigger projects faster. You're able to deliver better work. And it seems like you're just, you're you're improving your ability to optimize your process. What is exactly the the tipping point for you? Like what changed for you? What did you start doing differently that allowed you to to because this is part of what you just talked about which was giving yourself time for creativity. If you're a mess and all over the place and your process isn't optimized, you're not going to have that additional flex time to be able to think a little longer, be creative or try some things out. But when you're optimized like you are now, you're able to build in that extra time for creativity. What are some of the things that you've done that help to kind of change that up so that you have that additional time and flexibility? Yeah, this is going to be like, initially it's going to be very vague. And I think on a future episode, we're going to go into these a little bit more, but um, like having processes in place 
for pretty much every like every type of project you have you want to have a process in place and just for your life in general you want to have processes in place like like scheduling to-do lists um which is something i'm actually like relapse on a little bit lately uh and and uh let's say hypothetically like being able to manage your assets you know what i mean like all your creative assets like whether you're wearing graphic design photography video whatever it is uh you want to be able you're you're like let's say you're working on a video you're going to have your raw footage your uncut footage you need to store that somewhere and have it organized and logged in the right way um you want to have like all your graphics in the same place and you want to sort them by folders by type like these are all logos these are all uh these are all fonts these are all um uh project files these are all drafts etc cetera, etc cetera. um because a lot of times like like if you're doing a video project for instance or a live stream or whatever a lot of these things are going to be interacting with one another so you're you're probably going to have some overlapping you're going to have a lot of overlapping um uh, like skills fields more or less mm -hmm. uh, there's a better word for that yeah, um, like section of like design and video production right like yeah, exactly. you need to resize a logo or you're gonna need to create something like if you want to work on more ambitious pro, pro uh, projects you're gonna have to scale up your processes in general right because like ambition like larger larger projects are just a lot of simple just a lot of simple actions right simple simple components to them simple building blocks but there's so many of them and there's such a variety that you need ways to categorize them so you can quickly find them. You don't want to spend a lot of energy like looking for something because you're wasting time and you are wasting mental energy, which gives you less um, less uh, less less cognitive ability to make creative choices uh, when you're doing things. And I think it's really really important like to continue to clean up and improve your process. Like I'm still doing that today. Um, and it's constantly in an imperfect cycle. I have templates, like folder templates. So every time I start a new project, I have these templates all set up. I copy and paste them. Um, and then so I can quickly upload and back up things to the right folder. So when I start the project, I know where everything is. But even now, you know what I mean? Still, there's like, like, um, like th there's room for improvement. Like I see areas where like I need to like add more folders about this and then like remove folders stay here. You know what I mean? That will really speed up my process. And also at the end of the day, every project is kind of a little bit customized to itself. So you're going to like early on, you're probably going to want to like have some customization in those templates that you that, that are going to help you um, quickly move through this process once you figure out how this project is going to be executed. Got it. Got yeah. it. Good answer. Good answer. Break it down sure. into small pieces. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Is there anything else that you feel like would be good advice to give to creatives out there or to clients that are going to be working with creatives that'll allow everyone to get better creative work done? Yeah. So um, uh, first to creatives, um, this uh, if you're earlier on in your career in particular, um, something that I would consider is that a lot of times progress appears to be appears to stand still. Like you may not be able to always perceive the change, the positive changes that are happening in both your work and your process. And it's important to be aware of that because it's easy to get demoralized when you see slow process. And let's say hypothetically you're starting out and your an organization is an issue for you. 
um, it's important to implement things. Don't take too much on at one time and don't beat yourself up when something doesn't, when something breaks down and it doesn't work the way you want it to, or you just like feel like you're very disorganized because it's a process to build those things. And, it, and th these are, these are, these are systems that take, take a long time to put in place. I'm 34 right now. I think Jeff, when I met you, I was like 28 and I was probably about two years into like this kind of work and in the way I do it now. And I was very disorganized and I still feel really disorganized, but you know what I mean? But, but I'm, but I always have to catch myself and be like, well, where was I last year? You know what I mean? Where was I two years ago? And once you kind of can see the trends, then, then, you know, you don't worry as much, but it's, it's, um, uh, it's very easy to get demoralized when you're, when you're earlier on in your career. Um, and the, and I think the best advice for anybody is to just stick with it. You know, you just have to like hold your breath and keep moving forward, not literally, but figuratively. Um, because the only way to get better is to keep doing it and to keep messing up and to keep working whenever you mess up. As far as to clients in particular, um, it, like just back to what we were saying before, when you are, when you're, when you're, when you're looking to hire a creative, you should have a strategy in place. You should know what you want to achieve, like whether it's higher sales, greater visibility, you know, changing your branding message, whatever it is, like you should have an idea, like what is your goal here? What do you want the creative to help you accomplish? Because if you know that it's a lot easier for everyone. Um, and and uh, the creative may help you be able to flesh that out. Like that's something that I actually enjoy doing. But um, but still, it's always helpful to know like you have long-term goals, you have medium-term goals, short-term goals, and what are those? What do you want the audience to walk away with? Um, and uh, and and I think if you are walking into a conversation, a new business conversation with a with a creative, the probability of it going well will dramatically go up if you know those things early on. Dig it. I echo all of those points. Uh, one last thing that I'll add in there, um, and mm -hmm. we could probably do an entire episode on what I'm about to say, mm -hmm. but um, I'll leave it at a, a simple thing. As a client, if you are giving feedback to a creative, please be specific and make it actionable. I think some creatives are better with blunt force feedback where it's just like, I hate it and here's why. Other creatives take their work a little bit more to heart and a little personally and haven't been able to create that sort of emotional distance to it. So that that part can be challenging. But the most important thing is regardless of whether you're kind or cruel in your delivery, at least make it something that the creative can do something with. If you just say, I don't like it, that doesn't tell a creative anything. If you just say, I don't like that color blue, that doesn't help. If you say, I don't like it because it feels rushed. Good. That's specific. Let's go deeper and talk about that more, right? Or I don't like that color blue. It's a little bit too towards purple. I want it more towards a green tint. Great. Now you're helping me determine where on the blue scale to move things. So I would say that the overarching theme is that you know, I, I, in my experience in working with creatives, not just you, Tim, but in working with all creatives is I try to honor the process that creatives go through and the, the heart and soul that creatives tend to put in their work. And I then in, in 
any sort of criticism or critique or feedback of the work, I try not to um, harm the work because I realize that that may be harming the artist and it's not necessarily productive where I can give the same feedback about what I don't like about it in a way where it's not a reflection of you, the, the creator creating something awful. It's, this is why it doesn't fit for my purpose is different from you're bad at what you do type feedback. So try to make it like somewhat objective and make it specific and make it actionable. And if you are a creative who's working with a client who will sit, who you hand them a piece of work and they're just like, I hate it. Um, the, what, what I have found to be true over the years is that typically what's going on is they're having an emotional gut response to something that may not be super like rational because in general people perceive things very subjectively, obviously, and you may have actually created something that is the, is really solid choices for their specific goals. So something that I, I do is I let them know why I made the choices I made. So I'm like, okay, great. Let's figure out why you don't like it. Um, just for your reference, I made this choice because of this. I made this choice because of this and this choice because of this. Um, and that kind of requires a different skill set that's important to learn, which is essentially like being able to make creative choices for reasons that you can communicate. Um, and, and a lot of times what I've found is if you can break down what you've done and explain it to them, they'll be like, oh, I get it, I like it. So they can go from like, I hate it to I like it like that, you know? Um, 100%. And, and even if they don't, they can sun, they can start to communicate what it is about it that, that that's not resonating with them. Yeah, 100%. That just made me think, I can't remember who I was talking to about this, but very recently someone was saying, that they delivered some work to a client, the client didn't like it. And they explained why they made the choices. And the client went, oh my God, I totally get it. Mm -hmm. What happened was the client had given them answers to a bunch of different questions. And the, the person who delivered the work chose to focus on some of the things that were in it, but there was other parts of the feedback that were more important. And the thing that they put in there was actually not important. Yeah, yeah. Context, right? Yeah. So it helps to understand why the choices are made and you can begin to understand where people's priorities and interests and uh, styles lie if you can talk through why you don't like it. So again, kind of back to the, the overarching part of it is that when giving feedback to creatives, understand that the goal is like, you're both on the same team. It, you're not judging their work. You're trying to work with them to get to the work that it is that you want. Mm -hmm. and I think that's a super important mindset shift for clients to have is that like, this isn't a person that you've hired as like a, a creative indentured servant to deliver you videos or something. It's somebody who you're working with to help communicate something in service of a goal you have for your business. And as a result, when you're giving them feedback, you want to try and maintain and strengthen the relationship through your feedback so that they better understand where you're coming from. It can better deliver you work over time. So just giving like a, a gut reaction and emotional response to it isn't particularly helpful. Whereas giving uh, reasoning around what you do and don't like and why is helpful for the creative and for the client to, to better understand where each other are coming from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, 100% agree with that. Um, uh, like once again, and that also goes into like why it's important to get feedback early and often with a lot of the choice. Like, so you know that you're heading in the right direction and actually like hitting what's important to them. Um, Cause like you said, 
like they may give you a bunch of feedback initially and you focus on some of you put way more value on certain things that they don't necessarily put as much value on so when you you know and it's important to know that really early on so you know keep things keep like really simple drafts so they can give you feedback on those so like in the you know last third or last quarter of the project that's when you can put a lot of time into like really tightening things up making things look beautiful um uh and and I, I guarantee you that your clients are going to really like working with you as long as they're not a hypertoxic personality. Yeah. Yeah. It's also another episode into itself. Yeah. Well, yeah. Tim, thank you. I think we very nicely covered how great creative work gets done. Um, before we sign off, uh, mm -hmm. let's look forward into next week where you're going to be working directly with Parshell. I won't be able to make it because I have an appointment that I cannot miss. And I believe Sarah will be back. No, wait, Sarah is traveling. Sarah yeah. will be back until yeah. the 13th, I think. But next week, you and Parshell are going to be talking about what it means to be video first. So for anybody that's tuning into that one, you basically have two different people that have been working in video for a combined like 20 years or more, I think at this point, um, and able to talk a lot about what it means to be thinking about video in your business and exactly what video first means. So that's going to be a dynamic and fun conversation next week. And then um, for this week, let's finish off with uh, what, what you're into right now. And I'm going to take it for this week because I've been uh, actually super duper into uh, a podcast app called Pocket Casts. Um, for anybody that has heard me talk about this subject in the past, I used to be a huge Overcast.fm listener. Uh, it was a podcast app that was an alternative to the Apple podcast app. I loved it. It had, you know, the ability to change the speed, to have bookmarks. They had a really good uh, discovery engine to it. It was really, really good overall. But then I discovered Pocket Cast and the interface on it is just mm, mwah, Italian kiss, sexy and gorgeous. Uh, and it also has some really cool filtering capabilities. So you can create some really unique um, sort of like playlists of podcasts. So like if I feel like listening to politics or I feel like listening to humor or uh, something I mean to do with marketing, I have this really, really cool uh, ability to do that. And it works with CarPlay. So that's super dope. And oh, that's cool. it's really great. So for iPhone listeners, I believe it's available for Android as well, but it's a really kick-ass uh, application. I'll put it in the show notes if you want to check it out. Cool. Um, so that's, that's it. That's been the whole episode of the Heroic Council this week. Tune in next week where Tim talks to Parshell about what it means to be video first. And that, my friends, is it.